0: call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today.
1: This is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Through Retirement. You know, if there's one thing that Hollywood knows, it's all about money. On today's show, we're going to cover an iconic cinematic example of what to do, and more importantly, what not to do when it comes to your finances.
0: Welcome in, everybody. This is Cruising Through Retirement with Kevin Brooker. I'm consumer advocate Steve Sadal. Kevin is a fiduciary and investment advisor representative, and uh, he's an IAR in an RIA firm, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, you got it. You got it.
0: (laughs) And he's an author of The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. Get your copy of the book. It's absolutely free and available at SilverleafFinancial.com. SilverleafFinancial.com. Hey,
1: Kevin, how are you? We're good. We're good. And uh, RIA, for those of you listening, is registered investment advisor. And uh, we do follow the fiduciary and adhere to the fiduciary standard, which is the highest legal standard Right. Uh, that's out there. Yeah. So, well, you're a
0: fiduciary. Um, you're 65, right? That's the, you
1: know. Yes, that that is correct. I am a fiduciary. And the thing is, everybody doesn't function as one guy. So make sure when you sit down with somebody, you know whether they are a fiduciary and are, are in fact, putting your interests first. Very, yes. very important conversation. Very
0: important. Yeah. Well, okay, so you got my, uh, you got, me, you got me thinking here. We're we're talking about Hollywood and money, and boy, there's a couple of movies, well, several movies actually, that come to mind.
1: There, you know, there are. They made a lot of lot of movies about uh, about finance and stock markets and things like that. And uh, you know, they're not exactly Hollywood's not exactly known for preparing us for the real world, you know. But, uh, <laughs>
0: really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, that wasn't really the intention to offer financial guidance to their audience, right? No. Um, you know, but there are, there are lessons that we can glean from it, what to do, more importantly, what not to do. And, uh, you know, so we, we're going to play, play a little clip here and uh, see see uh, how, how this turns out in terms of some lessons you may want to adhere to.
0: I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them.
1: The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack
0: of a better word, is good. <laughs> Classic, man. That's a great oh. line.
1: That is a great line. I will tell you what, that was a couple of years actually before I came into this business. I started in the business in 1990, and uh, that was actually from 1987. Of course, that was uh, uh, was at Wall Street, right? That Wall was Wall Street, Street. Yeah. and uh, Gordon Gecko, aka Michael Douglas. Yeah, and um, you know he delivered that uh, that speech in the movie, right? Which which was a, a very I don't know if it's number one, but it's a very popular movie. Very popular. And,
0: well, yeah, and it still is. I think. I mean, because the lessons are still there. I mean, the you know, greed I, I, greed doesn't change over time.
1: No, it doesn't. And I mean, we got well. You can go back to 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 what the the ancient ancient uh, what Greek texts and things way 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 back in time where they're talking. They actually talk about it thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and so I think uh, one of the it reminded me of one of the things that my manager told me when I first started in this business. Uh, and I started as a stockbroker, um, and that meant we sold and we recommended stocks, and that's that's everything we recommended in mutual funds. And um, but one of the things he, one of the things they always told us is that you got to understand the thing about the stock market is there are very base emotions that try that drive people's decisions, and those emotions are fear and greed, and that's what drives people buying and selling in the stock market, at, at least according to this manager. And um, and I do think there's a lot of truth to it. Uh, and, and I think it's something that's important to, to recognize, you know, like, like one thing that we used to say when people like, you've got a stock position, let's say you own some stock and shares are doing well, and you made a lot of money with it. And, uh, um, we, it, it, it was something like, you know, um, you know, you know, what, uh, pigs make pigs make money, but hogs get slaughtered. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and so you, you, wanna, you want to, you want to make sure you, you know, you keep the emotions in check and that's not just, and I'm not just referring to greed, right? which greed I, I think a little bit of greed is a good thing you know to, the desire to make money I think is is a good thing I well, think yeah. it drives, you you can argue that, that that's a motivator for people going to going to a job
0: exactly. and
1: you know and and so I think a little bit is good but it's but but it's like anything it seems like everything in this world is best in moderation you know and and I think greed is right you know it should be looked at in that regard and I think that you know uh, it's very important that you're aware of the emotional aspect is the point that I wanted to make and that you're aware of any emotions that you may be feeling whenever you're thinking about buying or selling really anything financial um, as to, as to whether you're making a logical decision. Are you looking at the facts verified facts that you know are true as opposed to somebody's opinion at the water cooler? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you know what, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks that they'll say, um, they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know what, Well, I was talking to my neighbor and, and he's doing a, B and C, and, and I said, well, you know what, that, that might be great for your neighbor, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing for you, right? Because we're, we're all in a little bit different financial situation. No two people. I've not met anybody, two clients that are in exactly the same situation, meaning they've got all the same assets, the same liabilities, the same expenses, the same outlook, the same risk tolerance, the same objectives. It, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. So it's, it's perfectly fine. You get a good idea. By all means, check it out if you're interested in it, but don't pursue it because. You know somebody else that did, right? Right. Because that that it might be they might be awesome for them, it might be terrible for you, and and so it's important to look at it from from you know through your own lens, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then if you do, if you're fortunate that you buy some stocks, you have some investments, they've done really really well. One thing to remember, something we used to mention to people is, you know what? You can never go broke taking profits. Okay. So if you've got nice profits, maybe it makes sense to take them. And I'm going to tell you right now. If if you have technology stocks and you got lucky enough, you bought them at the end of 2022 or the beginning of 23, NASDAQ and a lot of tech stocks have had a fantastic first quarter. All right. We've really seen a very, very good year worth of returns in just a quarter. All right. I think Apple is up 23, 24% for the year. Wow. And, that's
0: and significant.
1: It's a big, <clears> it's a big move. And that's why I want to tell people, you know, there are some, there are strategies you can use, guys, that can protect those profits without necessarily selling you can do something called a stop order where if you if you if you have a nice profit in something you could put in an order that uh that will automatically trigger as a sell if it goes below a certain price so let's say a stock is $165 and you put in a stop order at $155 because you you want to give it a little bit of room to fluctuate but you don't want to see your profit entirely disappear so you can put in a stop order and then what happens is when that price if that price hits in this example 155 when that price hits anywhere in the market any brokerage anywhere okay when that price if you get a print at 155 then your stop order becomes a market order that means it'll sell in queue in other words in line you know behind the other orders based on the time it was received mm-hmm. so it's something that you can do to protect a profit if you're concerned about loot you know you don't you don't want to do you know what we call what we call round tripping a stock Round a round trip is when you buy a stock at let's say hundred bucks. It works out really well. It makes money. It goes up to one hundred and forty, and then it comes back down to a hundred, and you never sold it for a profit. Hmm. That's a round trip. I you see. don't want. <clears throat> I you don't, want don't want one want, of those. You, you do not want. You don't want to be a round tripper. <laughs> okay, no. so that is not that's not what you want because that's to me that's one of the worst feelings. You buy something, it works how you expected. You made money with it. It went higher, but you never took the profit. Yep. All right, and and so. Now, it doesn't mean, right, the, the thing is, and, and, and the, one of the things that makes investing so difficult is that none of us know where these things are going to go. You don't know where it's going to wind up. You know, you see where it's trading right now, right? And, and so it can be hard because sometimes the stop order that I just mentioned, sometimes that example I gave you, the SOX 165, it goes down to 155 where you had your stop order. You could get executed. In other words, that order sell and sell your shares at, I don't know, 154 and a half. And then the next day you can see the doggone thing go right back up again. Right. Mm-hmm. And that does happen. So, so it, it's really important that you take the perspective of a glass half full. Okay. Cause I've, I've been doing this a long time and there are some folks that no matter what happens, like if I say, you know what, maybe we sell half, Mr. Jones, sell half of it here, lock in the profits, hold the other half. You know, what happens is the guy that's a negative that sees the glass half empty, you know what he's going to say? Sell it all, he's, he's going to wait and look at the price. And if it goes down, he's going to say, well, damn, you should have sold all of it. Okay. Sure. And and if it goes up, he's going to say, man, we should have hold on to all, all of uh, it. Why did yeah. we sell any of it? Sure. Sure. So there's no win. Okay. There's no way you can win with that situation. So if, if it's really important to look at. You've got to look at glass half full. All right. Because nobody, nobody can time every single trade perfectly. In fact, most people, most people can't even come close to getting the bottom to buying the bottom or or selling the top of a stock or, or of the market because it's virtually, it's just virtually impossible to do. There's so many factors that come into play. So focus, focus on whether you're having a good success rate. If you're buying stocks, if you're trading stocks, pay attention to your success rate. Your, we call it, some people call it your win rate. And that means if you, if you put on 10 trades, you buy 10 stocks, how many of them turned out to be winners and how many of them are losers? If at least half of them are winners, right? Then you're, you're making good selections. You just need to figure out how to manage your risk right? You don't want to sell the winners too soon and hold on to the losers. That's what a lot of people do. Some people say, you know what, that's like cutting down all your flowers and letting the weeds grow. Okay. (laughs) So, so that's something else I learned early on is, is most investors don't ever want to take a loss. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's uh, an emotional thing. They don't want to, they just don't want to accept it. All right. But in my view, you're much, much better off. Now I'm referring to individual, individual stocks. Mm -hmm. I, I personally think um, you should try to give yourself an idea of how much you, you're you're prepared to lose. You know, are you willing to lose twenty percent on a stock, or fifteen percent, or fifty percent? I think fifty is too high. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people that trade they limit their losses to between ten and fifteen percent. Okay, mm-hmm. because a ten percent loss, you know, you need eleven or twelve percent gain to make you to to get back. You know, if if you bought it at hundred, you sell it at ninety, right? Now you need about eleven or you need about eleven or twelve percent to get back to your cost basis. But if you but if you let something develop into a 50% loss, now you got to double your money to get back to break even. All right? Yeah. So I think what's much more successful is manage the portfolio so you don't wind up sitting on any big losses, keep your losses small and let the winners grow. Let the flowers grow cut the weeds before they get too big
0: exactly and uh, you know being proactive that that's something that you do for your clients and have been doing since you've got in this business 40 or 30 plus years ago
1: that's that's right that's exactly right that's exactly right and, and guys i'd be happy to show you the strategies that i use how i pick them it's not i don't it has nothing to do with the water cooler or anything to do with the tip <laughs> that i received okay yeah. not at all all right I use independent research that I pay for, to be perfectly honest. I buy, I pay for the research that I use. I don't, I'm not doing anything under the table. Like, you know, there are sorts, there are things that go on in the markets that, uh, um, you know, some firms, uh, you know, they, they will uh, it's paid, it's paid. They call it pay to play. They pay for order flow. So in other words, you know, they get a payment based on sending all their orders through a certain, you know, X, Y, Z firm. Um, And, and so, i don't engage in any of these practices neither do the brokerage firms that i go through Um, we're looking for best execution we're looking for the best price possible and and so what i do is i manage uh the stock portfolios based on independent objective research and i use rules what we call rules based research okay okay? so i'm not looking for a theme all right I'm, i'm not looking um you know for for the next great invention you know like for instance with a biotech or pharmaceutical company a lot of a lot of those trade based on hey they, hey we think they're gonna gonna get a drug approval you know and and if they get the approval then the stock's gonna pop right right um but it, it, you know if you've ever tried anticipating the moves of the fda okay, good luck <laughs> good, good, good luck, luck. <laughs> yeah. all right personally we use things that we can measure all right we want to look at return on equity return on assets we look at you know earnings per share are our earnings increasing on a regular basis are they beating their earnings estimates are you beating the streets estimates Is revenue growing at a nice clip? Do you have the other thing I like to look at is what we call a wide moat? M as in M O A T. Is there a wide moat around the business? In other words, is this company that you're looking at investing in, do they have a business that everybody and their brother could open up on the street corner, right? That's Mm -hmm. really easy to get into. It's easy easy entry, so it's easy to compete with them. Okay, that's that's like no moat. All right. When you got a when you have a business with a wide moat, that means it's difficult. To compete with them because they've got a place, they've, they've secured their place in the business. They've got some technology or product uh, or knowledge that is unique to them that'll make it difficult for competitors to come in and knock them off the, you know, knock them off the throne, so to speak. Sure. And so those are the businesses that are good investments because when they have that wide moat, you can see that they're gonna they're gonna be able to limit the competition because not everybody can do what they're doing. And so. Those are the companies to look for and in the environment we're in now guys and I, actually for quite a while now I've been focusing on on, on what we call uh, on high cash flow companies all right and and free free cash flow free cash flow is the money left over after you've paid all your bills done everything you know you' paid salaries you paid everything your free cash flow is the excess money you have left over after you've done all that right mm. now the s p the s p 500 guys I think the free cash flow yield is something like four percent. All right. Actually, I think it's more like three something. I'm saying four to be generous. The companies that I focus on have better than 10% free cash flow yield. Wow. Okay. So far greater cash flow than the overall indexes. And they're trading at valuations that are less than half of the indexes. So we look, you know, when you look at the valuation without getting too crazy technical, but price to earnings, things like that, the market right now is around 18 or 19 times earnings right? The companies that, are, that I'm recommending are less than 10, less than 10 times earnings with better than double, sometimes triple the cash flow percentage of companies in the index. So that's what I'm looking for. If that makes sense to you, if you guys understand. So what we're looking for is good fundamentals, solid fundamental business, a strong business with a strong moat, high cash flow. Those are the types of companies that are making money. And I think they'll make money for you too.
0: 800-975-6717. Folks, that's the number you can call to reach Kevin. You can also visit the website, silverleaffinancial.com, and you can connect with Kevin right there on the homepage as well. And um, you talked about the, the moat. And I'll tell you what, that's a very interesting image that I have. It, it, it makes complete sense. I want to find Over. those. <laughs> but, but now I appreciate but, that. So, Kevin, back to what you said, that the only way that you find these things is by doing the research. you got to do the work. And you do it. You you do the heavy lifting for us.
1: Oh yes, and it and it takes it does take it does take a lot of time. There's no there's no question about that. I spent I spent a lot of my time research, uh, going over going over the research articles, digging deeper into it myself, looking at the numbers, looking at the financials. Um, it it does take a lot of time. There's no question about it. But it's time well and spent. It, it oh I think I think it's time very well spent. And the thing is is to, to me what's, pardon me what's difficult. For me to understand is the amateur investor that doesn't spend very much time on it. Um, I, 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 I'm amazed, to be honest, when an individual investor that does not spend much time on it has any success at all. Because unless your background is fine, maybe if your background is finance, um, be, be, what I'm getting at is there's a base of knowledge that makes it so much easier that once you accumulate it, you understand these topics, you understand how these things work, and you stay on top of it every day, you're at the forefront of, of, of whatever industry you're in whatever industry you in, but if you've been doing it for a long time, you've got that base knowledge that you already know all the things about the basics, right? Mm-hmm. So it's much easier to stay on top of the research and look at new developments because you have that big base of knowledge. And, and, and so when somebody doesn't have it, that to me seems awful challenging. I, and, and, and I think, uh, and I think risky, I think, I think, I think there's a reason why folks that have professionally managed accounts research shows, they typically outperform those do it yourselfers. Right. and, and, and it's and I think it's it's because of all these things that we're talking about. It's very difficult to make money consistently. It's one thing to pick a stock here and there and make money with it. What hard, what's hard is to do it consistently year in and year out. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the challenge comes in, and that's why I think a good advisor a good advisor is going to make you far far more than he or she charges you in any fees.
0: Well, yeah, I I just saw a statistic. I think it was a, like if you work with an advisor, your your average return is at least I thought what is it three percent. Or, or maybe it was it, more than that
1: it's I I, I I I've seen the research that shows about a three percent yeah three percent well
0: and again over the I mean when you start talking about a retirement and and you know a, a nest egg three percent's a
1: lot oh it's a huge it's a huge number when you when you start extrapolating that over many many years yeah that's what know, I mean three percent extra over 10 years 15 20 years is an enormous amount of money and 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 so I think you do yourself a favor to at least sit down with some advisors talk to them See what they're about, you know. See if they're a good fit. Uh, one of the things I like to do. One of the reasons, guys, I like to do the podcast is, uh, you know, I've done the the seminars and the radio shows and all these things, and I think those are good opportunities when you can listen to somebody, see what they talk about, see how they talk. I, I think it's going to give you a good idea of what they're about, and that'll help you figure out whether they might be a good fit for you. That's why I do it because I think it's it's a it's a uh, no pressure way, you know. You can sit down and listen to a podcast anywhere at any time. You have it. You have a you know access to the internet. Sure, and and you can listen to it for for no charge, no obligation, and it can give you an idea. Does this person sound like somebody you'd like to talk to a little bit more? And and so hopefully that's what I'm accomplishing with the, with the podcast, right? Uh, as as we do them each week.
0: Well, again, well with the podcast uh, again, that's available wherever you get a podcast, folks, and or on SilverleafFinancial.com as well. But I mean. You know the, that's the thing. It, the, the catalog of podcasts that you have, I mean, is an encyclopedia. And and if you're under forty, look it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Because I don't know what it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, what is what is that?
0: <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, get well, okay. So it's uh, it's a WikiLeaks. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, in paper form. <laughs> in paper form, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's this big book. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah. A big book. But again, that's what I mean, because, you know, they're all sort of categorized. You can all see what the topics are. And that's I mean, again, oh, yeah. it's a great way to it's a great way to get some knowledge. And and can I ask you something that we haven't talked about in a long time?
1: Yeah, sure. 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 Um, it's pure growth. Yes. Pure, pure growth. We're, I'm we're, just curious. We haven't talked about it in a
0: long time. And
1: we haven't talked about it quite a while. I'll tell you, pure, pure growth, guys, is, is, is something that I do for some of my clients that are looking for like the name says, pure growth. It's all stocks. Um, these are stock portfolios that I manage for clients that are looking for high growth. In other words, we're looking for twenty percent plus per year. <laughs> and, and and in the last year, we have not made that. It is it is we we beat the market slightly, um, but not by that much. Just by a couple percentage points, to, to be perfectly honest. And but I but the when these um, if you go back, uh, with the with strategy that I'm using it is rules based. As I mentioned before, we're looking for companies that are that are beating their earnings estimates that are that are showing knockout numbers uh, that have tremendous financials and and the, the characteristics we talked about earlier um, and what I'm doing is I use a concentrated portfolio of, of just 5 to 10 stocks uh, for some clients it's it you know like I've got I've got some clients that um, it, it's their Roth IRA that's all they have is are these stocks in that account mm-hmm. others others we have mutual funds exchange traded funds and then we just use a small percentage uh, for stocks it could be 5 10 15% um, is where a lot of my clients are. So, so for instance, uh, one of my clients, they've got you know they've got over a million dollars in the stock in stocks and bonds, and of that million, we put one hundred and fifty thousand towards stocks. We put about ten grand a piece into them, so that gives us fifteen stocks in the portfolio, each about ten grand, uh, and the other eighty five percent of the portfolio is much more conservative. And so there's there's a lot of ways you can slice and dice it, um, but the strategy that I'm using, pure growth with these stocks. When the markets do well, they do much better. All right, they've, as I mentioned, we 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 we're kind of neck and neck, slightly ahead of the market in the last year, uh, year and a half actually, since the market started to, since the market peaked. Um, And but in the good markets, if you go back to 2021, we beat the market considerably, considerably by more than 20 percent. And 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 so the stocks. what the, the stocks are, they do, they do perform against the backdrop of the overall economy. So what I'm trying to say is that when you pick companies that are high growth companies, they will typically do very, very well. When we're in a rising market, they're going to rise considerably faster than the overall indexes. But when the markets are kind of going sideways and aren't doing that great, then we kind of get the same sort of lackluster performance as, as the rest of the market. And, and, and that is about, that is 100%, My, you know, honestly, what is happening. Um, and I will tell you I mentioned it a week maybe a couple of weeks ago Steve that the markets were looking much better and 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 if you look at the charts anybody that looks at charts out there the markets look so much better now than they did a few months ago um you know I, I it's got me questioning all of the bears out there there's a lot of people that are bearish a lot of analysts and strategists have been saying you know market's going down and I'm I'm wondering if we have a counter trend move here maybe Maybe there's so many people on the bearish side that maybe it's actually a time to be bullish. Um, you know, so all depends on your strategy and your risk tolerance. Um, but the markets are looking much are looking much better right now. There's some hint that inflation, you know, might be finally under control. We definitely think, I definitely think we've seen the peak. Um, it, it's questionable how many more rate hikes there are going to be. All right. Uh, gold has been breaking, breaking out to new highs and international stocks. International stocks are something I'm going to now, as well as emerging markets.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So what, uh, what catches your eye with, uh, with, um, you know, the, the emerging markets.
1: Well, it, it actually, it's the, the strength of the dollar when the U S dollar starts to get okay. weak, that's really a big, a big tailwind for emerging markets. Um, and if you look at, for instance, European stocks, developed European countries, uh, the valuation is much lower. Than it is than it is here. Like I mentioned, the valuation eighteen or nineteen times earnings here. It's most people think that most analysts think that's think that's fairly valued or, or perhaps a little richly valued. If interest rates are going higher, the, it does function against the uh, against interest rates. So when interest rates are really low, um, bonds become less attractive, and the theory is that stocks can support a higher valuation um, because they're they're you know the old Tina. There's no alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, but when interest rates are higher, let's say the ten years over four percent, that's when a lot of people look at that and say, you know what, I'm I'm good with four percent or five percent. I don't need to take the risk of stocks. And so then you got a valuation that's lower. uh, A fair valuation is considered to be lower. So you can't really look at one without looking at the other. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but these are these are the things that I do or any good advisor is going to be taking a look at. But as interest rates surprisingly have come back down, that's why a lot of the big tech stocks have been rallying
0: been going back up. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, exactly. and, um, so are we looking at, I mean, even housing, I mean, uh, mortgage rates have, have, dropped a little bit too.
1: Yeah. I think, I think they've actually been dropping for four or five weeks in a row. Right. Um, you know, so it, which is great for anybody, anybody borrowing. It, it is great to see interest rates go down. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, that I do want to talk about on the mortgage side, I, I would encourage everybody to really look at your mortgage, mortgage statement and focus on how much interest you're paying every month just be aware of it okay cuz i think a lot of people are paying far far more in interest than they even than they have a clue they 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 really i don't think most people look at it i think most no, people just look at payment. yeah i think they just look at the payment and 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 so it you know um most of us have to have a mortgage uh i personally look forward for a very long time to paying mine off <laughs> and <laughs> and it's very freeing when you get to that point um but i would encourage you know anybody like when, when you get your next raise, try not to spend any more money. Don't go out and buy a new car, um, please. And uh, if you got to buy a new car, get a used one. <laughs> okay, get, right. get, a, get a new used one. All right. Um, when, when you realize how quickly cars depreciate from a financial perspective, it's a terrible move um now there's no question safety features and technology have come a long way
0: well we're not talking um, about a 1975 vega here
1: no <laughs> we're talking no, about well, a, a late model used car <laughs> that's right a late model used car and i'll tell you what guys I, I both me and my wife our cars are 20 years old now i i drive an, i drive i drive a 2003 lexus and she drives a 2003 uh denali suv um and and they're still they're still, well, my car is in much better shape than a truck, but they, <laughs> they but they work, they, they work, they work, they're perfectly good. They're perfectly reliable. Um, and a lot of people can't even tell my car. They're amazed when I tell them how old it is. Yeah. So, so I think if you take good care of it, you don't need to waste money on getting a new car. All right. I'm seeing, I'm seeing folks that are taking out six and seven year loans on cars and, and, uh, uh, I, I think that's a bad move. I think it's a bad move. And I think if you need to take out a loan of that length, maybe consider buying a cheaper car.
0: Yeah, Maybe right.
1: so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause it's pe- people, are just spending too much money on interest and, and that's a big reason why they can't save more. And, and so I think, um, I think if we focus more on paying yourself first, instead of, you know, buying the new car first or buying a new house or something like that, I think you'd be much better off over time. Yeah. All right. So, so, so we all know on, 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 on a quick other topic, I did want to mention, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of fake news all over the place, right? Yes, you can't are. tell what to believe. We're seeing it everywhere. And, uh, I, I blame social media by the way. Oh, um, you,
0: you and me both. Yeah.
1: Oh gosh, I, I, I think that's, I, I think social media is a, is a, one of the key, one of the key, uh, villains in what's caused, uh, a lot of the turmoil that we've had in this country in the last several years. Couldn't uh, agree more. I just, you know, and I would like it to see rained in a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know the answer, but, uh, but we're seeing a lot of things out there that are hard to know whether the true or false. Right. Right. And, and, and one of the myths that we've that, that I've seen repeatedly is that long-term care insurance is expensive. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And it's use it or lose it. And, and it is true. Standalone long-term care insurance uh, for somebody in there, let's say 55 years old can run 2000 to $2,500 a year, depending on your health uh, that would provide you the best coverage. All right. But it's an expense that you may or may not benefit from because like any insurance, if you never have an accident, or you never have a problem with a storm and tearing tear the roof off your house, you're never going to benefit from that homeowner's insurance either, right? Right. The reason the reason why we buy insurance is to, is to transfer the risk to the insurance company. So when you have homeowner's insurance, you're paying the insurance company to cover the risk in case some horrible thing, you know, storm comes through and messes up your house, that they will cover it and they will repair it, right? That's what you're paying for. It's the same principle with health insurance. And it's the same principle with long term care insurance, you're paying the insurance company to take the risk that if you need care from a facility somewhere in the future, that they're going to pay for it, or that they're going to pay a, lot, a piece of money toward it, right. Mm-hmm. And so it's so it's another way to manage your risk. And if, and by getting some form of long term care insurance, guys, what you're doing is you're, you're you're reducing the risk to your portfolio to your investments. Because if you have long term care insurance, That will help you pay for it if you should need it in other words you won't have to sell your portfolio or sell your investments um, or use your cash as much of it to pay for it right and the good news the good news is that there are policies out there that i can show you how we can take your existing assets and we can position those to cover long-term care if you need it but guys if you don't need it you don't lose a dime you don't lose anything you keep the money it's all yours you use it yourself or, or you can leave it to a beneficiary. But if you have to use it for long-term care, I can show you how to do it on a tax-free basis. Oof, I like now, the sound of that. Right, that'll save you 20 to 30% right there if you're yeah, a high-income person. no kidding. All right, so by all, by all means, go to the website, silverleaffinancial.com, uh, homepage has got the book. All you can do is fill out a little, uh, put a little tiny couple pieces of information, and I'm happy to send you the book free of charge. So,
0: and again, what you just talked about the, uh, the the alternatives to traditional long-term care that's that's talked about in the book.
1: It is, yes, it is. That's one of the things that we do talk about in the book. We talk about the different ways you can cover it. You know, from the traditional long-term care insurance, you know, standalone traditional policy, sure. To to the alternatives, um, we call them. We, some people call them hybrid policies. You know, that you can put to, you can put together a policy. It could be a fixed interest policy where you're on in fixed interest. And it's got a long-term care feature to it, um, or it could be a life insurance policy where you have a life insurance policy that also has a long-term care, sure. has long-term care coverage. So there, there are different ways of doing it. Uh, and there's actually some some index annuities now have come out that have long-term care riders. No kidding. So yes, those are just not a lot. They're just coming out. There's one that I'm aware of now. Huh. Um, and so, so there are different ways to do it, guys. That you don't lose the money. It's not. It doesn't have to be use it or lose it. That's the key that I'm trying to make because approximately half the population is going to need some form of long-term care. And it is very, very expensive if you should need it.
0: Well, knowledge is powered, Kevin, and and that's what it's all about. And that's one of the things that you do better than most. And that's teach us.
1: Oh, yeah, I I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Stephen. guys, yeah, by all means, the book, you know, the book is free. There's no charge or obligation. I'm happy to send it to you or I can email it to you. uh, However you'd prefer, or we can do the heart. If you, if you prefer the old, uh, you know paperback we've got that too so but take a look at it the knowledge the knowledge is only going to help you the knowledge certainly won't hurt you
0: do it today.